The Seattle Mariners made a couple of additions to their 40-man roster. We're going to go over those and, unfortunately, who was cut from the team because of those moves. We're also going to look at the Seattle Mariners spring training non-roster invitees, and we'll finish it up by looking at the projections from fan graphs around the league, kind of what stands out to us, and if they think the Mariners will be making the playoffs. Thank you guys so much for watching episode 59 of the Hit It Here podcast, part of the Believe Network, the Felix Hernandez episode. I know the, I, the the number he yeah. came up with. Yeah, I'm very very happy you chose that one. That's yeah. that's good stuff right there. Mm, thank you. Yeah, 59. Felix Hale was 59. Weird. It doesn't feel right, but yeah. I, as soon as you said it, like all the memories started coming back to me for whatever reason. But I, you know, you didn't ask me how I'm doing today. I don't really care. I'm going to tell you I'm doing good. Okay, no, you're not. I'm doing I'm doing great, and we've got some kind of exciting news. I'd say. You know, we're keeping it in the family in Seattle. There was a, a guy from the Pirates that was DFA'd, what, earlier last week? And he's now a Seattle Mariner. That guy is brother to, you know, a very famous Seattle Seahawk, Jackson Smith and Jigba. We've got, as you say, you say Kanan. I want to say it as Cannon because I think it looks sick. But Cannon Smith and Jigba is now a Seattle Mariner. And you mentioned the unfortunate demise of another. Seattle Mariner had to make room on the 40 man. And I can guarantee, I don't even have to place a bet on it that I know one of our listeners, one of our biggest guys, Darren McCacken and Joy on Twitter is very upset, but quickly a word from bet online. It's playoff time. The final game of the NFL season, the Super Bowl. It's happening this coming Sunday. The usual suspects, they're heading to Vegas, unfortunately, for us Seattle sports fans. The Niners and the Chiefs, a rematch that we've seen recently, it's going down in Vegas for the Super Bowl. And our partner, BetOnline, is your number one source for football odds, stats, trends, and lines. Leading up to the big game, you're not going to want to miss out on anything that BetOnline has to offer. With everything from point spreads to hundreds of bets on everything from the coin toss to even the colors of the Gatorade. BetOnline is the number one source for your championship wagering. Head to BetOnline and join today to get into all the action. And say you don't want to bet on the Super Bowl, NBA and NHL are right there. And the baseball season is so close, guys. BetOnline, the game starts here. So if you guys have been following along with us or just Mariners Twitter in general, you'll know that Darren McCacken, our ace, was the one that got DFA'd in place of Kanan Smith and Jigba. Colton, what's uh, what's the what's the haps with our new outfielder here? Yeah, I mean, he's not going to be like a starter for the Seattle Mariners. He bats left. He's, I think, going to be 25 in 2024. You know, he's a guy that will probably, if possible, start the year down at AAA if he's willing, because I think, he, I'm assuming he's out of options. But maybe not. I'm not sure. But nonetheless, he's a guy that I think will fight for a spot in camp as maybe like a fourth or fifth outfielder. Nothing more than that. In 2023, he hit like 280-something down in AAA, but struck out, I, I want to say like 180 times or something crazy, which as, if you're a Mariners fan, you know we've seen plenty of strikeouts. So it's probably nothing. It's just cool that they were able to bring Cannon Smith and Jigba to Seattle with Jackson Smith and Jigba just across the street over at Lumen Field. Uh, some brotherly love there between the two brothers. I think that there's always there's always a possibility that one of these guys just sticks, right? But I would definitely say that Dom Canzone's ahead of him. I'd even say Dylan Moore and probably even Sam Haggerty are ahead of Kane and Smith and Jigba at this point. So it's probably nothing, 
Um, there's also the chance, like we talked about a little bit earlier, that Darren McCacken will stay with the organization. I think that there's a decent chance that he just clears waivers and is no longer on the 40-man, but still goes down there and continues his dominance at AAA Tacoma. He's just going to keep racking up the strikeouts down there and stay as the strikeout king in Tacoma as long as he can. On his Fangraphs page, Njigba says that it says that he's got one minor league option left. So I don't know if the Pirate, maybe I said it wrong. They like DFA'd him. Maybe they just fully released him from their team. Like, I can't remember exactly how the transactional process happens there. But he is now a Seattle Mariner, and that's what counts. I feel like just like a, the Zach Deloach replacement to an extent. You probably like what Deloach could give you more at the major league level because he's done it, I think, a little bit better in the minors. But. You know, is a, a fifth outfielder for a team that, you know, has plenty of outfield potential that you just need to fill out. So he's there to do it. Another one that has another recent addition to this team. We're adding to the bullpen pile, the arm pile. The lab is going to be cooking with Colin Snyder. We claimed him from the Diamondbacks this offseason. He was last pitching with the Royals in 2023. He pitched in 20 games in the major league level for Kansas City last year. Over 20 in the third innings pitched, he had a 4.87 ERA. I think he's a guy that if the lab can work on his walks, because that's his big problem, right? He just walks a ton of guys. Walked more batters than he struck out. Walked 13 guys in those 20 innings. Not great. If you can work on that command, it's something that could turn into a bigger item for the Mariners. These bullpen like pitchers that we just pick up off the street, you never know what you're going to get. And maybe Colin Snyder's a guy that could give you legitimate big league innings next year. I honestly, like, compare him to, say, like, the Ty Buttries or, like, the Kirby Sneeds or maybe Joey Crables. Like, in that area of, I think, the pitching depth. So, like, if you never hear this name again, don't be surprised. But also, in that same vein, like, he could be th going out there to be a swingman for you or like the, the bridge guy to the more high leverage arms in your bullpen in 2024. Yeah, and his walk rate wasn't much better in AAA either. He had a 15.5% walk rate in AAA compared to a 21% strikeout rate. So he's a guy who probably has some volatile stuff. It's just getting it into the strike zone is going to be a problem for him. I think that, like you said, with the Crables of the world, that's where he's going to be at. Mm -hmm. He's going to be someone who, if the Mariners can turn him around, then sure, he might be a force for you. But with the Mariners pitching lab, they're going to find at least one of these guys is going to pop next year. It's just, I mean, they're betting on themselves when they add a billion pitchers in the offseason. And we talked about that a lot, that for the rest of the offseason, it's probably going to be little minor league deals here, minor league deal there for pitchers that the Mariners think that they can fix, that they think that they can help them reach their true potential. And Locked On Mariners did a an interview with Taylor Saucedo and he was talking a little bit about that pitching lab and how the pitching lab just says, hey, you're really good at this, do it more. And some that could be similar for someone like Colin Snyder. I'm not sure what he's really good at. I didn't look that far into it because, honestly, it's probably nothing. Yeah. But in the future, you know, we could, we could maybe make a video just breaking down all these random pitchers and see, like, what are the Mariners going to focus on with these guys? You know, who knows? Who really knows? But... In terms of how that's going to work out for the Mariners, there's going to be a lot of guys battling out in spring training, and we actually got a list of the non-roster invitees for spring training. A very interesting list, in my opinion, but we're going to talk about some guys that stand out to us. Joe, who who stands out to you the most on this list right now? So starting just from the very top of the list, left-handed pitchers, we've got Jonathan Diaz, Holden Laws, Kirby Snead, Reed Van Scooter, and right-handed pitchers, we've got Corey Abbott, Heath Embry, Jimmy Joyce, Joey Crable, Travis Kuhn, Casey Lawrence, Darren McCacken, if he's still with the team. You know, that's kind of a thing that's up in the air right now. 
Tyson Miller and Marcelo Perez. Catchers, you've got Jake Anchia, Harry Ford, Michael Papirski. Sure. Matt Scheffler. And then in the infield, you've got Ryan Bliss, Michael Chavis, Tyler Lockler, Caden Polkovich, Ron Hell Ravello, Leo Rivas, Brock Rodden, Nick Solak, Cole Tucker, Hogan Windish, and Cole Young. And rounding out this list, the outfielders, Isaiah Gilliam, Spencer Packard. Oh, there is Spencer Packard and Alberto Rodriguez. I saw MLB Pipeline tweet something out earlier, like, these guys on the top 30 list got invited to the Mariners spring training. And I was like, I didn't see Spencer Packard's name on there. And now it's here. I think, hear me out. He's a little bit on the older side. He was in double A last year. I think he's like 24, but a legitimate bat talent, a guy that is a bat first situation, like maybe could be a, like a Jake Shiner in the future, kind of a situation, a little bit more defensive upside. I'd say flexible in the outfield and also can play first base in Arkansas last year, Spencer Packard hit 292, 391, 449 with an 839 OPS. He spent his entire minor league season in 2023 with the travelers, helped them make the playoffs. I think they made it all the way to the championship game or they were in the playoffs in some capacity. I can't really remember, but played in 121 games down there, popped 14 home runs, drove in 82 runs. Doesn't steal, you know, doesn't have a lot of speed. Only got one stolen bag, but a guy that I think can give you some gap power and be a potential, at least he's, he's a little bit older than I thought. He's 25 right now. So he's I, in that same vein for me, like a Zach Deloach type guy that he could figure into a bat that you can plug into your lineup should he just start tearing the cover off the ball if he's in AAA next year or if he stays down in AA. It's a guy that I don't know if he's necessarily on a lot of people's radar, but I, as soon as he saw, as soon as he jumped on the pipeline top 30, I was like, okay, bet let's, let's learn a, bit, a little bit more about Spencer Packard. For Colton, sure. Who are you keeping your tabs on here from the non-roster invitees? Yeah. So I think that one of the guys that I'm, I, I think we should at least take a look at is Isaiah Guillaume, I think, or Gilliam, Guillaume, however the heck you, you know, say his name. I said Gilliam, you can say Guillaume. I'm going to say Gilliam. Isaiah Gilliam, he's a bit on the older side. He was in double A last year, came up to triple A and didn't see quite as much success. So in 2023, Isaiah Gilliam uh, down in Arkansas, he hit 281, 393, 523 with 22 home runs, 66 RBI and 22 stolen bags. When he moved on up to Arkansas, or sorry, to Tacoma, he hit 253, 386, 410. He hit three home runs with 14 RBI and three stolen bags. He's an outfielder for the Seattle Mariners. He's not going to be like, you know, lights out out there. And honestly whatever like he's a guy that if i if you want to have compete for this you know fifth out outfielder spot or like down triple a maybe someone gets hurt you can bring up isaiah gilliam he is a switch hitter so i don't know if you want to if that matters but he's someone that i think we can keep an eye on another guy is hogan windish who locked on mariner specifically <laughs> colby told us is the next tie france that was so. that was a, a while ago now and you know that was when Ty France was a, was a was an all-star. Yeah, it was – Hogan Windish was a guy that I think was flying under a lot of people's radar. And thank you to Colby for pointing it out to us. And he had a pretty solid year in Everett last year for the most part, I'd say. Um, one other guy that I'm well, – I was interest, I was kind of surprised to see his name on the list. Brock Rodden was only in Modesto last year, was I think at the top of their order either batting first or second. And no, you know, no slack on him. Brock rocks. Okay. He's going to, he hits, he's a, just a certifiable hitter. Dude can just slap the ball around, but I was surprised to see his name over guys say like Colt Emerson, or like, if you wanted to go crazy and bring Lazar Montes in like, sure, maybe they're not quite ready for that. And they will be in the minor league camp, whatever. 
I just I saw his name and I was like, over some of the other like prospects in our system, I was just kind of surprised. Mm-hmm. I think that, like you said, maybe it's just because these guys were you know fresh out of the draft, didn't play a whole lot last year compared to someone like Cole Young who had the whole year in the minor leagues. Obviously, same thing with Harry Ford as well as the um, WBC. So like maybe they just want these guys to get in there, and I don't know with the with the spring breakout series like how that how that's all working with these like minor league or whatever sure. non roster invites. I don't know if like maybe that's why they're not invited. I don't know. And there's still plenty of time for guys to get out of this. I just want to mention that on this list, Casey Lawrence is on this list, and I thought that was Casey Lawrence to pitch for the Mariners years ago, who's like 35 years old now. It's not. It's that was why guy? I gave you a weird look earlier. Oh, yeah. okay. It's a different Casey Lawrence because the Casey Lawrence that I'm thinking of, nah. He was on like a bunch of the bad teams, right? Yeah, so he was with the Mariners in 2017 and 2018. Oh, not bad. He has a career 675 ERA through four years with Toronto, Seattle, and St. Louis. So, thankfully, it's not that Casey Lawrence. So Yeah, we don't really need that reclamation project anymore. Yeah. In a year in which it seems like the tide is kind of turning with how the offseason projections and the whole offseason just in general has gone. Fangraphs has released their playoff projections, their entire year, you know, records. And the Mariners, they're not being slept on. They're, They're actually seeing some attention that I don't say me is surprising. I think this team is kind of where Fangraphs has them projected at, but in previous years, I'd say it was a, a little, you wanted a little bit more out of the Fangraphs projections but right now. Mariners are projected at 86 wins, which I think is right in the, the wheelhouse of where you want to be. And keep in mind, Fangraphs projections for wins. They don't have anybody winning over a hundred games. The likelihood of that, I think, is pretty low. So, like, take this with a grain of salt of, like, 86 wins. It's not that strict thing. Like, you could see them Mariners jumping up to maybe 90. But I feel like the floor is probably around 86 right now. And Mm -hmm. they're giving the Mariners a 26% chance to win the division and a 37% chance to clinch a wild card and a 64% chance to make the playoffs with only a 5% chance, 4.6, a 5% chance to win the World Series. But, you know, it's not zero. You're, tell, you're telling us there's a chance, Fangraphs. I don't know, Colton, what do you what do you make of these Fangraphs projections? Specifically, we'll just start with the AL West. For the AL West, I think they're pretty spot on. Let's keep in mind that that 4.6% to win the World Series is the fifth highest on this entire list. So it's behind, you know, teams like the Braves and the Dodgers, of course. But overall, the Mariners are right there. And I agree with you that the projected wins for the Seattle Mariners is a little low. I think that this is closer to a 90-win team right now than an 86-win team, which, you know, doesn't seem like a huge difference. But if you win 90 games and the Astros win 90 games, then obviously you have a chance to win that division. I think that overall, and we've talked about this quite a bit, the Mariners have were only, what, two games back of the Astros, one game back of the Rangers last year. And right now, Fangraphs has the Rangers projected as a 500 team. That could change pretty quickly if they do bring back a guy like Jordan Montgomery or they sign Blake Snell. Their biggest problem is definitely the pitching staff on their end. They can add to this team still. I mean, it's only a week away from pitchers and catchers reporting, right? And so there's a little bit of time for the rest of the free agents to figure out where they want to sign, but... 
The Rangers definitely taking a big step back. Maybe it's part of the regression model hitting their offense a little bit hard because they had a bunch of career years last year. But I think it's got to be that pitching staff that's taking a big blow. You mentioned the Astros a little bit. They are projected at 90 wins, 90.7. So you saying this team's closer to 91 team. That's why they're right there at a potential to win the division. I think ultimately the addition of Josh Hader I probably impacts the Astros, it's just like their longevity of like being able to stay winning ball games. They lost Kendall Graveman, but they added Josh Hader. So this is probably where they were going to be projected at regardless, even if they didn't have Josh Hader, in my opinion. Like Josh Hader's phenomenal. Don't get me wrong. They're paying him $19 million for a reason. But when you lose a guy like Kendall Graveman, who was probably their third man out of the pen, maybe fourth man, you go Presley, Abreu, maybe you're still trusting Rafael Montero ahead of Kendall Graveman. Like, you know. I don't know if the addition of Josh Hader really pushed them that much higher from what they would have been projected had he not signed. And again, there's still room in the soft season for things to happen, but you know, they just extended Altuve five years, 125. So like how much money they really have to spend. It's tough to say, but another one that I think might be, I think it's fair. Los Angeles angels losing Shohei Otani, but they're, Projected seven games under five. Or that's not how that math works. Six games, five games, five games under 500. 77 wins. If Mike Trout's healthy, maybe they're higher than that. If they're young players like Nato and Shonwal. Sh- Sh- oh, Sh- ow, ow, ow. Sh- how do you say it? Schwanel, I think. I have no clue. I don't know if I've ever said it out loud. I've been scared to ever, ever <laughs> since he got drafted. If they have big years, sure. They could maybe find claw themselves into a 500 team, but... That Angels team's not looking great on paper. No, I mean, the Athletics are getting pretty close there at that point. 69 wins for the Athletics, nice. nice. I think that one of the teams that really struck me the most in all of this is the Reds, down at 79.4 wins. They have them finishing fourth in the NL Central. Keep in mind, that's only five games back of the Cardinals, because the Cardinals, who knows how they'll be in mm. 2024. But the Reds, I feel like, are a much better team than that, than 79 wins. I think that they honestly have a chance to win that division i really do they added heimer condelario to an infield that was already stacked and guys like noelvi Marte should only get better it'll be interesting to see if like matt mcclain continues to do what he did in 2023 spencer steer etc but i think that that team is being incredibly underrated by fan graphs here overall i don't think any of the central like divisions are going to do anything when it comes to the playoffs but nonetheless i think that that one really stands out they have the Braves as the closest team to winning 100 games, which I think makes sense. Like, I, I, they have them winning more than the Dodgers, which I think is interesting. I still take the Braves roster over the Dodgers roster. I think it's a more complete roster for sure. There's just a little bit less, like, superstar star power, if you want to call it that. You know, you don't have the Otanis, the Yamamotos, but there's still a little bit of question marks surrounding those two guys on the Dodgers roster. The team that I was pretty curious about is the Orioles taking a pretty big regression hit here and maybe it's because same thing with the reds they've got a lot of young talent i feel like fangraphs usually punishes a lot of teams if they have a lot of young talent just in general like guys maybe not projecting to their full potential and the orioles only projected at 84 and a half wins they have the mariners projected more wins right now than your al like they were the al win leader last year right mm-hmm. the orioles and they just acquired corbin burns this has to include corbin burns into that You've probably promoting Jackson Holiday at some point today, so your roster is getting deeper, but maybe for whatever reason they don't think the pitching staff's going to be able to bounce back. Maybe, obviously, Felix Bautista's out for the year, so they can't really 
rely on him being nails at the back end of the pen. You have to depend on Craig Kimbrell and Yannir Cano instead. A little interesting, they've got the Yankees winning that division, which I feel like projection models will tend to just favor how that roster is constructed over teams like the Rays, Orioles, and stuff. But overall, I mean, to me, a lot of this stuff is kind of where I would pencil in a lot of these teams at. Aside from, you know, you mentioned the Reds. I'd probably put them above the Brewers and the Cardinals, roughly. Maybe the Cubs are a sneaky team to throw in there at the top. Your your World Series winning Royals projected fourth in their AL Central division. 75 wins. What do, you, what do you make of the the disrespect here to Kansas City? No, it's just crazy that Fangraphs is wrong, you know? <laughs> they don't know. They they don't know. They don't know what I know, okay? And that is that the Royals are going to win the World Series in 2024. They don't know both. For those of you that don't know that meme, I'm sorry, but the Royals are going to win the World Series in 2024. I predicted it months ago. Now, here we are. It was written in the stars that the Royals, I mean, they just extended Bobby Wood Jr. That's going to fuel their fire into the 2024 campaign they're they're starting off they're gonna beat they're gonna win more games to start the year than the rays did last year Didn't call the rays it win like 13 in a row yeah <laughs> royals are starting 20 and 0 don't care they're not losing in april wow yeah that brings up an interesting point i saw someone post the mariners april schedule and saying what do you want i think it was steve saying what do you want to see out of this team in the month of april for the first month like what is your projected record? And I think we should talk about that, Joe. All right, so it was actually Seattle Mariners on tap. He said the first 30 games of Seattle Mariners season, what record would you be happy with to end April? It'd be nice to finally see a good start, even something like 17 and 13. Joe, what do you think? Looking at the schedule, you start off with four against Boston, and then you go into three against Cleveland. A lot of the teams here, there's some winnable series, I'd say. You can win the series against Boston, I think against Cleveland, depending on how the rest of the offseason goes from Milwaukee. That's your third season of the year as well. There's some tough opponents in here, like the Rangers are there. You end the the season, not the season, you end the month with Atlanta. So I think a 17-13 and 13 finish, like, yeah, that would be good. I mean, anything above 500, I'd be pretty happy with. If I had to go through this and just kind of go win-loss, win-loss, whatever, I'd probably end around like probably 17 or 18 wins, looking at who they face in April. I think I'd have it a little bit lower. I'd give them like, I'd have them going 15 and 15. I think 500. Like, I mean, when you're facing the Diamondbacks, the Rangers, and the uh, Braves all back-to-back, that's a rough week or so stretch right there. You also have the Blue Jays in there who, you know, depending on where you get into that rotation you might be facing kevin gossman and whatnot and when you have the red sox again depending on what they do the rest of the offseason i think could greatly change how opening day goes the opening series for the mariners on march 28th although if we're not if we're not counting you know the no actually we can't count boston why not because because that's not part of april and the question was you know what i asked was their record in april but we're gonna count we're just gonna count boston yeah, it's it's after thirty it's games. 30 games. Yeah. yeah, there you go. Uh, I'm glad you got the, there. <laughs> the Rockies, very winnable series. Um, you should win that series. You honestly probably should sweep that series. Um, I think the Reds. You know, like I said just a little bit earlier, sneaky good. I think that that's going to be a tough series for the Mariners. Noelvi Marte is going to come home, fine, and you know, be in T-Mobile Park, just not for the correct team. And the Cubs, like you said, maybe a sneaky team there in the Central as well. That might be a rough series for the Mariners, depending on, like, if they re-sign Bellinger, and then, I don't know, I still think they probably should add to their pitching staff a little bit, but 
you know, at this point, it's like, what are you going to do with a week left all pitchers and catchers? 15 and 15, a 500 record for the Mariners in April or at the end of April, I think is what I'd be looking forward to. I'm just hoping that Julio finally breaks out of the cold weather curse allegations. That's probably what's pushing my my narrative there of them going like, you know, four or five games above 500 at that point. Just because if Julio gets off to a slow start again, you know, it is what it is. He obviously turned around his 2023 season. But if he can just get hot out the gate, this team can do damage early on and not have to play catch up later in August when you got to go out and win, you know, set a, set a record for your franchise winning like a certain amount of games in a calendar month. Like there's adjustments to be made. And I think with the way that the team is constructed, I think there's a bit more like easier of an avenue to not get off to a slow start. I think this team is a lot more projectable now than it was at the beginning of last year, just for what you can expect out of guys. Because obviously last year, no one knew the Colton Wong was going to be as bad as he was. But I feel like if you had to, even going into last year, Polanco or Wong, I probably would have went with Polanco last year, even though Wong was coming off two really good seasons with the Milwaukee Brewers. So mm. I don't know, just because, you know, Wong was a little bit on the older side and I don't know. He just doesn't, I guess he doesn't fit the profile as much as I would have hoped for. Looking back on it, obviously hindsight's 2020, you guys are probably like, oh, well, of course he sucks. So we knew all along. That. Yeah, we knew all along, but. I mean, you know, looking back at that 2023 team, I think that if, like you said, if Julio can break out, we obviously didn't know at the time what we had in Kelnick. Uh, Teo obviously got off to a slow start. Tommy LaStella was on this team in April of last year. Keep that in mind. So it's AJ Pollock. So this team is a lot more projectable now than it was a year ago. But the real question is, is this team better than the 2022 team that broke the playoff drought? Well, we talked about that in this video on the screen now. I appreciate you guys watching episode 59 of the Hit It Here podcast presented by Bet Online, the Zach Ross Cup episode of the Hit It Here podcast, and go Mariners.